What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, lovely people. Jeremy here, and uh, we're back for another wonderful conversation on Turn Me On Podcast. And this week we're speaking with Tammy Nelson, Dr. Tammy Nelson at that. Uh, Dr. Nelson is a sex and relationship expert. She's an international speaker. She's an author, uh, a licensed psychotherapist with almost 30 years of experience working with individuals and couples. And uh, today, Brady and I chat with Dr. Tammy Nelson about uh, new monogamy. We talk about the the sort of comparison and difference between maintenance sex and sex dates, and uh, we also talk about how sex is like a bridge. So you'll have to tune in to uh, to get what that means. Um, we hope you enjoy this. I, I mean, this is the second time we've had Dr. Tammy Nelson on the podcast, and she's such a delight. Really love being able to just sit down and pick her brain about sex and relationships. So uh, uh, we hope you like this as much as we did, and um, we will see you all on the other side. Well, I'm excited for this conversation because uh, we are joined once again by Dr. Tammy Nelson, um, who is a PhD. Uh, a sex and relationship expert, uh, and public speaker, an author, author of a book actually that we have, I think, right up behind me here, um, Open Monogamy, A Guide to Co-Creating Your Ideal Relationship I Agreement. one of six books that you yes. are, unless you've, unless you've released a new one in the year since we've spoken <laughs> to you, I wouldn't put it past you. 
Um, and for folks, for folks who don't know, maybe you're, maybe you're new to the podcast, but Tammy was on the show last year and uh, we had a really lovely conversation and, uh, we figured why the hell not get Tammy back on the show? Because I feel like since we've spoken to you, Tammy, um, there's been some like new, uh, sort of findings in the world of, uh, relationships and, um, uh, what? What's the word I'm looking for here? Like, like infidelity, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I feel like is somewhere we're gonna kind of like kind of dive into today. Yeah. Uh, so, Tammy, uh, thank you, thank you for coming back on the show. We're excited to chat with you. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks. The last time we spoke, we talked about um, we talked about all kinds of things. We, your new book, or at the time it was a new book. How long has it been out now? A, a, a... Uh, about a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. All right on. And we were, so we were talking about the, sort of the definition of open monogamy, um, like a less traditional monogamy than we're used to sort of seeing. And we talked about, um, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, jealousy. And we talked about, um, Ashley Madison, which is, a, an, is it, which is it appropriate to say it's a company? Is it a company that, that hosts the, world's online I want I almost want to say dating site for people who are in relationships already um and we did a lot of talking about or a little talking about how it's not just we're not just talking about infidelity infidelity when it comes to Ashley Madison we're talking about people who may even be in consensual non-monogamous relationships but are looking for people to be in those open relationships with and uh and that seems to me like a really great place to look if you're looking to meet specifically those 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 folks. And I understand that Ashley Madison has conducted some new research um, in since hmm. the time we've spoken in September 2022, and that there are some interesting findings. And were you were you how involved are you in the research process with Ashley Madison, or do you kind of come in as an expert and and sort of narrate the findings. So what's your, what's your place with, with that organization? Well, I am a consultant for them. So they will consult with me around um, or ask me to speak uh, to press or media about what's going on uh, clinically or anecdotally, or to comment on the research that they do around um around their population, you know, they have like 75 million members worldwide, which is right. insane. It's wow. astounding. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, no one's cheating, clearly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I think what's interesting is that, like you said, it's not just a platform anymore for people that are in non-consensual, non-monogamous relationships. And so, I've really been talking to them a lot about um, how not only is the world expanding into more consensually non-monogamous relationships, but you know their dating platform is also expanding into these conversations around, you know, they're outsourcing their their relationship needs, and with such a huge platform of people, it just makes sense just statistically that a lot of those people are in relationships where they want outside partners, but they don't want to hide or be dishonest with their current partners. And they don't want to um, necessarily um, do this on the, as a side 
hustle. They want to actually include their partners and be honest and transparent about it. So the world really is shifting. People really are changing. And um, it's an interesting conversation. And it's definitely a more like private way to engage in open relationships and, and dating in open relationships than say like Tinder or like places where you don't necessarily want, maybe you don't want necessarily your colleagues or whatever to see that you're using those types of sites. Um, last time we talked, we talked, we were, it was, you know, a relatively a little bit closer to the, the pandemic and, and you were talking about how people sort of came up close and, and personal with like that real reality that we need more than one person to fulfill all of our needs when we're stuck at home with one person, eventually it gets kind of uh, crazy making. And you, you kind of spoke about how in a way reaching out and finding these other connections was a way of sort of built rebuilding our like village a little bit, our, 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 our force of people that can meet our needs. Um, is that still the trend or has anything changed in the last year with regards to, I don't know, like the effects of the pandemic on how we, how we are reaching out and making those connections or fulfilling ourselves or has it created a permanent shift or has it rebounded? What are the I, trends there? I noticed when you said, you know, we're driving each other crazy. You looked over at Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Eye contact there. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing um, personal. Nothing personal. Yeah, no, no, of course not. As I dopely stare up at the ceiling. While she's <laughs> yeah, talking. He's on the, his phone over there. You know, I think, um, first of all, all of us are a little bit uh, glad to get out of the house and to be in real life with each other, you know, and smell each other again. I mean, I think there's some real, real relief and benefit. You know, I, I was saying earlier that I just got back from Mexico where I was teaching a training in person um, for a week with a bunch of therapists and coaches and educators. And it was so nice to do it in person. I forgot how much I really mm. love to, to teach and train people and, and do couples workshops and retreats and stuff like with real people in real time. And I think a lot of people are experiencing that being on zoom or being online for so many years and being in the house, it's kind of like, we're all stumbling out into the sunshine and covering our eyes going, Oh my God, how did that, how did that happen? <laughs> what the hell was that about? And so I think, you know, the desire to connect in real time um, and be uh, in our, in each other's presence is real, but then there's something else also that we're discovering. And that is that, the um, social anxiety is real. It's a real thing. Right. And, you know, the feeling of like losing your social skills and only being able to connect online is part of our new comfort zone. Mm. What is, are many of these like um, connections that are happening, you know, Ashley Madison or beyond, are, are many of them exclusively online like are they long distance like can you i i know that we can sext we can send videos we can we can do all kinds of things online are many of these relationships only taking place online a lot of them are and they that started in the pandemic you know mm -hmm. that people were seeking out um affairs or open relationship connections um through just teleconnecting 
Um, but statistics show, at least they did before the pandemic, statistics show that if you're going to connect online, eventually after a few uh, e-connections, eventually you're going to meet in person. Um, I mean, that certainly depends on your zip code. You know, if you're searching people out that are within your your uh, your area, you're much more likely to meet in person. Um, but most people get a little uh, fatigued with too much communication online. Mm. So that communication fatigue will lead to, you know, let's either meet or forget this. This is a little, gets a little old. Unless they are number one, cheating. And so this is really as far as it's really going to go. Or number two, that social anxiety, you know, makes it just safer to meet um, and just be your avatar. Like not have to worry about real life. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I was kind of thinking about how we have different um, definitions of what cheating is Ooh. within our relationships. And, you know, for some couples, it may be very comfortable for uh, for my, for me, if my partner is just having chats with someone online, exchanging flirty messages, maybe it's even okay to exchange flirty videos or photos, but then the meeting in person might feel abruptly not okay compared to those things. And I know that was something we kind of wanted to chat with you about mm. in regards to the many years of work that you've been doing with couples. It's like, what do you know about how people define affairs and how they, and if they have those conversations in their relationships? Well, people should have those conversations in their relationship prior to uh, those explicit betrayals. You know, that betrayal trauma is very real. And <clears throat> the more explicit you can be about what you feel of an affair might feel like, the more likely you are to avoid that betrayal. So, you know, we have these Im implicit assumptions about what infidelity is. Like, it's not cheating if it's, you know, with my ex, or it's not cheating if it's just online, or if I never touch a person, or if it's just mutual masturbation, or, you know, we have so many ideas in our head about what we think is okay, or what we think is infidelity. And... <clears throat> And there's a natural assumption that our partner's going to think the same thing. Mm. All of us have been raised differently. Um, we've had different uh, gender experiences, different expectations. We've been raised by different people in different roles. And so you'd be surprised how differently we really think implicitly and even unconsciously about what it means to be intimate, to be connected, to be committed. You know, what does it mean to be committed, to really um, be loyal to each other? And it, it's really all about integrity. And I don't mean that from like a moral perspective on any level. I don't really have any judgment about that. What I mean is, how do you feel about privacy and secrecy? Like, are you okay with compartmentalizing parts of your life and not sharing that with your partner. And maybe that's great for you. Like maybe that gives you more juice and more curiosity, more space to get to know each other and long for each other and love each other. And maybe for your partner, that's like, no, I need to know everything. <laughs> I want all the boxes open. And I want, I want to know that you're integrated. Like you are all integrated you all those boxes are open and you are not living this split off life and I think those are the things you really got to talk about 
it's not just about, you know, can I send a picture of myself in my bikini to my ex? It's more about like, how much do we tell each other? How much do we talk? How much do we share? Do we talk about our fantasies? Do we tell each other every time we masturbate? Like, what is, what is it really? What is infidelity? Yeah. It it makes me wonder like about the, like I, I recently was having a conversation about uh, with like a group of people about porn and like the, the different people the, sorry, the different um, like the, like, you know, the woman or the, out of my friends, the man and the woman in the couple, if one of them has a problem with porn versus the other one, not having a problem with porn. And like generally in my like cir- circle of peers, like everyone's kind of cool with porn. But then the the part that was interesting was like, okay, but what if we're talking about um, subscribing to an OnlyFans, which is a type of porn, but as a part of that subscription, there's like a, there's a, a an interaction, like a, a, a direct message with the, with the sex worker. Is that, is that now considered crossing a line? And of course that like, when that was brought up, it was immediate, like, oh yeah, for sure. Like, okay, okay, there, the line has to be drawn there. And I, th- I just thought it was really interesting because um, it just made me think about how, kind of what to Bridie's point earlier, it's like, how do we define infidelity? What do we define as cheating? Like, wh- where is that line? And like you said, Tammy, it's like it, everybody has a different line. Everybody's line is completely different. But it's really interesting to see how those, how, you know, as we enter into a new era where there's new ways to get your rocks off, you know, like this, the OnlyFans thing, this is really new. This is a really new thing that I, I feel like probably a lot of couples haven't really talked about. If they've already had the conversation about, hey, I'm cool with you watching porn, whatever. I know you're going to do it. Maybe they haven't had the conversation of, okay, how do I feel about you subscribing, paying money for an OnlyFans account? And then like, what are the parts of that exchange you know, what are you buying? What is, what is that money going towards? What's included in that? Is it my money? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> I, I, I was, it was a really interesting conversation. So it's, yeah, like, I, I don't really have a question there other than just making the comment that like, huh, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of fascinating to think that there's maybe probably, you know, the people listening, there's probably a lot of conversations that they haven't had with their partner, even though they feel like it's a conversation that they don't even need to have. Because it goes without saying, you know, but really it doesn't. It doesn't mm-hmm. go without saying. Mm-hmm. Um, something that you had mentioned uh, a second ago, Tammy, was like couples, ta- couples ha- c- conversing and talking about their fantasies. Mm-hmm. Um, is, this, is this something that you, in your work, that you found common that like couples have the ability to do? Or do you feel like couples talking through their fantasies oftentimes maybe requires a, um, you know, a third party to be there to help facilitate that conversation or guide that conversation like a sex therapist? Um, I think that's a, a very subtle and nuanced conversation because there's a, a different parts to it. Um, you know, one is how do you do it? Two is, um, Uh, how do you listen to it? So the first part is if you want to share a fantasy with your partner, um, 
the best way to do it is to start off with something you appreciate that you're already doing. And because when you start off with a fantasy or something you want to try, it can trigger a reaction in your partner like, oh, well, what's wrong with what we're already doing? Or mm. where'd you see that? Or who'd you do that with? Or how come you never told me that before? Or, mm. you know, how come you're not happy with what we're doing? So there's a lot of reactions that can happen from a fantasy. Um, and sometimes a fantasy is not necessarily something you actually want to do or take into action. It's just something like, maybe I'm just curious, mm -hmm. or maybe I use this for like masturbatory imagery, but I never really want to buy the sex swing and hang it in my living room because I don't want to, you know, damage my ceiling and I don't want my neighbors to see it. But, <laughs> but I think it's hot. Like, and I just want to talk about it because sometimes talking about it can be just as juicy as actually doing it. So there's a whole range of like risks around sharing a fantasy. So it's better to start off with, you know, one thing I appreciate that we're doing that I really like that's hot or something we've done in the past that I think is sexy and then talk about something that you do that you think is hot that you want more of. So it's sort of like a three-step process, something that you appreciate that you're already doing. The second step is something that you're doing that you want to expand on. Because now your brain, your prefrontal cortex is open. Your brain's like, oh, this is this is awesome. Tell me more mm. about what's working yeah. and what you like and what we have going that we can like expand on. And, our, you know, you now you have a platform from which you can take some risks. And then the third part, then and only then do you say, you know, what? something I'd like to try. And then you can share a fantasy and you could be clear with your partner. Like, I'm not sure I actually want to go to the hardware store and get the chains and the ropes and the, all the, the, the hooks and stuff. But, um, you know, I'd like to talk about it a little bit more. So then you can sort of clarify it for your partner. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. What if the conversation is, needs to be about, what if you need to communicate something that you don't like or you don't mm. that isn't working how do you approach that conversation um well you know i think that's a broad question it depends on if you're talking about something that's not working in your open relationship or something that's not working in your uh sexual repertoire okay. so um, they did a study where they said that over 60 percent of people fantasize about like a threesome or some kind of open monogamy. And, you know, if let's just say you fantasized about it, you tried it and you didn't like it. You're like, well, that didn't go well for me. Yeah. Um, it's quite easy to imagine saying to your partner, you know, I, that didn't work for me. What's more subtle and nuanced is to have a longer conversation about like, well, why didn't that work? Um, and as the listener to be able to have what I call sexual empathy to be able to say, okay, well, tell me more about what you didn't like about that. And um, tell me more about what could have worked for you or were there parts that you liked or, um, you know, well, yeah, I didn't like being out in the garage while you were with this person. <laughs> that wasn't really a threesome for me. You know, <laughs> I was absent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Turn me on podcast. We'll be back after this short break. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess I'm thinking more specifically about like, let's say you're in a long-term relationship and it it is monogamous or this is at the time it's monogamous and you have, you know, let's say a realization that you haven't been expressing certain parts of your sexuality and you want to introduce that, but you know, in some ways, the far easier thing would be to go out and find a way to express it in a way that someone where the the risk is low and, you know, you're obviously risking your relationship. But I assume this is what happens in affairs sometimes where you're going out and you're like, I have this thing that I want to express and it's safe to express it in a non-committed relationship where it's a one-off and I don't have to think about the consequences you know, where's the, before that, it gets to that point when you go, I don't know if I've been totally honest with you, my partner or myself about my sexuality. Here are some things that, here are the, here are the clues that I, I've, I've noticed in our sex life that, that we need to have a, I need to have a conversation about this or our, our sex life isn't going to grow. It's not going to blossom or evolve. Do you, I'm sure you've encountered conversations like that in the in the counseling room. And you're asking this for a friend or <laughs> Yeah, asking for a friend. No, I'm asking I'm asking for a group of friends, let's say, who have commiserated amidst one another that their long-term relationships are missing something in their sex lives and they can't put a finger on it. But for whatever reason they're a little averse to engaging in sex and it's not because they don't find their partner sexy or they don't feel sexy or they're not into masturbating and fantasizing but there's something about the sex that's available that's not working for them well i mean there could be a lot of things going on there um to answer your first question if you're not expressing certain parts of you um you know there's a wide range there are you not expressing that part of you that realizes that you're bisexual and you need to have sex with other people of the same sex? Is there a part of you that's saying, you know, I really need some 
uh, more kink. Uh, you know, I really am more submissive than I've been realizing, or I need some more sensation play. Like that's a wide range. That's a, those are two very different conversations. Um, you know, or, you know, I realize I'm gay and I'm in this heterosexual marriage and this really isn't going to work for me. That's a much bigger conversation. So saying, um, we need to, uh, up our sex life a little bit because it's getting kind of routine and boring is different than, um, I'm not happy and I know why, and I'm going to go out and figure this out with someone else. Right. So, um, you know, first I would do the appreciation dialogue that I just was sharing with you, like sit down with your partner and say, look, I really appreciate our sex life because you always make sure I have an orgasm. And another thing that um, I really like that I would like more of is that time that, you know, we tried um, uh, spanking and that I thought that was really hot. I know we did it once and it was 15 years ago, but I, you know, I just thought that was really sexy. I would love to try that again. Um, so, you know, one fantasy I have is that the next time we have sex, maybe, you know, you can put me over your knee and we can try it when the kids aren't home, you know, so that you plant the seed of, uh, what is working and expand on it. That's the first step. And then if your partner is sexually empathetic, they could say, you know, that makes sense that you want that. I know that was really hot for you. Um, it's not really hot for me, but I get that it's hot for you. And so then the next step is I'm happy to do that. That sounds really sexy or I can't do that. Like that turns me off and triggers me and my wrists hurt or um, it just freaks me out. And then you can have the next question, which is, well, could I, you know, find that somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Or could we work that out somewhere else? Maybe it's hot for me because I like to be in that submissive place, or it's hot for me because I need more sensation and even like some pain. Like, what is hot about that for me? And so, really, you know, sex is like a bridge. Like, you work on your side of the bridge and figure out what is it that you really need and like and want. And, you know, that's your sexual journey. And then your partner has their sexual journey, really figuring out what's important for them to keep them juicy and alive. And then there's the bridge, right? Which is what I think you're talking about. Like, how do we meet over that bridge, mm-hmm. share those things and to try to make it really rewarding. In the room, in the counseling room, are you ever as the, as the third, as the, as the watcher, are you ever inclined to say, this is not going to work out for you guys? <laughs> are you like, allowed to say that? Are you allowed to say <laughs> that? Never inclined to say, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've been doing this for like 35 years, and I don't think I've ever seen a couple where I was like, I don't know why you guys are together. Like, it's always super clear to me why people are attracted to the people they're attracted to it, hmm. most couples are um you know the partner selection thing is really fascinating like you get into a relationship and the first like three months to 27 months are new relationship energies a lot of chemicals and hormones and make make you feel good 
And then after that, you go into the power struggle or the conflict phase of your relationship. And that lasts the rest of your marriage. Like that's forever. (laughs) You never grow out of that. Um, But less important than how often you fight is how you resolve your arguments and how you resolve the conflict. And that resolution has more to do with what you learned growing up and your um, survival skills. And usually they're in direct opposition to your partners. And, you know, you choose someone that you're pretty much fundamentally incompatible with because you are looking to grow as a person. And so you want someone who's going to bring up all your shit because it's the only way that you can work on the stuff that you don't even know you have. And so I see couples all the time where they think, you know, I can't take this anymore. And I'm like, I don't blame you. Like, this is, must be exhausting. Um, And so you have a choice. You can figure out why you're doing this and we can sort of bust you out of this cycle, or you can just give up and say, I, you know, call it (laughs) and trade your partner in for someone else. But normally, I mean, you might trade up. I did. I'm in my second marriage. But the um, the reality is you probably just play it all out again with someone else. It might be different, but you're still going to go through the same exact cycles. The only time I tell people, there, there is a one caveat. The only time I tell people, like, get out is if it's really abusive. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's a really um, untreated addiction that people don't want to go into rehab for. So what about when someone, I assume that you you counsel individuals as well as the couples together, what what's the scenario when one of the people in the couple discloses maybe to you but not to their partner that they're having an affair? How does that change your approach as someone's walking that person or that couple through their conflict? Um well, interestingly enough, um you know, when I see couples, I offer them an individual session mm-hmm. for, you know, as part of the, the deal. And I tell people, you know, what you say here stays here. Like you're in an individual session. It's your session. Um, so sometimes they'll disclose things that are secret. It's not always I'm having an affair. Sometimes it's I can't stand my partner's mother or I can't stand the way my partner smells or I don't like the way they dress or things that they can't tell their partner, but it's still secret. And so my responsibility is not to like figure out what secret should I, should I force them to reveal? Um, It's really like, how can I help you tell your partner the things you want to tell them? Because obviously you're bringing it up with me for a reason. If you really wanted it to be secret, you wouldn't bring it up with me. But if it's bothering you and you're practicing with me, then let's figure out how to talk about it in the session. Um, you know, people usually, if they don't want to be caught cheating, they're not caught. Like we know how to hide stuff on our computers and on our phone and people know how to delete. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're caught or they're, you know, disclosing, it's usually because they're tired of, of hiding and they're tired of not, living that integrated life. It's hard to compartmentalize for long periods of time. Um, It's kind of fun in the beginning, but then it can be exhausting. Absolutely. And I would imagine that like for myself, if I have a secret, I am 
consumed from the inside out with guilt and preoccupation about it. Mm -hmm. And the looming fear that at any time (laughs) I could be out it. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I I don't keep secrets for that reason, but uh, I don't have any. Um, But you that, keep some secrets. That keeps we them. all have some secrets. Sure. None of that I feel like, tr- right, well, right. truly like you guilty comfort, about. You got the secrets where you're like, I'm cool with this. this is, I'm this cool is with this. I'll, this I'll die with grid. this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but some people I know have no problem yeah. saying, I'll take this to the grave. Mm-hmm. And that seems like a gift, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't compartmentalize, I suppose, is what I'm saying. They'd make great FBI agents, you know, or CIA agents. Right. Those people must just be consumed uh, by Yeah, guilt. I feel like they, yeah, yeah. They just like, they'd be able to, they, it's, a, it's a compartmentalization thing that I, I also don't have. No. I don't have it. It's tough. It is tough. It's hard to get by. I, uh, one of the things that I, that I was hoping to cover in this conversation, and, and I feel like this is like a, a pretty decent place to bring it in, but there's some, we, we talked about this on the show a number of times, but like the notion of maintenance sex you know, so like a couple's having issues in the bedroom. Maybe it's because their schedules don't line up or there's like a lack of communication. So they decide, okay, look, we haven't had sex in a while. Let's schedule sex time. And we will make an effort, a concerted effort to do this like on a, on a, you know, a, a routine schedule. We know when it's going to happen. We set our things down and we go for it. Um, and like, we've heard that this is like, this is a part of sustaining sex life with like a long-term partner for, for, for some. Um, but I'm wondering like if there are, if I'm wondering about the, the cases where maintaining where, where maintenance sex is like, just not the answer. It's going to do more harm than it is going to do good. If there is cases like that. Well, I, First, I think there's a difference between maintenance sex and a sex date once a week. Okay. Uh, maintenance sex is like uh, you roll over Tuesdays. Like, you know, you're just doing it because you haven't had sex for a while or you just feel like getting off or, you know, you have a heart on and like it just feels good or it's sort of bump in the middle of the night sex or, mm. um, you know, it's like you don't put a lot of effort in, um, but it's the in-between sex. And I think that is important. I think it, it lets you both off the hook. Like this doesn't have to be a four hour tantra session. You can, you know, you can just do it because you know where each other's buttons are, you know where to push them. And it doesn't have to be, you know, oh my God, I see God every time I have sex. Like that's fine. Yeah, That's totally fine. And to, let yourselves off the hook a little bit about it and not think that there's something wrong with your relationship or, Oh my God, sex is boring. No sex is, you know, part of, it's just maintenance. It's part of like staying connected and feeling less stressed and being able to get to sleep. And it's totally Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's a, a whole other idea about creating a sex date once a week and I really believe that if you set aside time once a week, the same time every week, um, and it's not date night, you don't go out to dinner, you don't eat rich food, you don't drink wine, nobody has sex after that. You're all bloated <laughs> and tired and carbed and whatever. No one's, that's not date night sex. 
Um, you can go out and go to the movies and eat popcorn. And that's different than what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is like this sacred time that you carve out for an hour a week, every other night, every other hour can be for your companionship, like the maintenance of your roommate life. Mm. This hour is like something that is a sacred practice, like meditation or yoga. Like you show up for each other in a way that is, um, uh, is really, um, uh, what am I trying to say? It's not just maintenance sex, like the opposite. So mm-hmm. you turn off the TV, you put on music, you light candles, you give each other a massage. Like there, there's a practice to it and you um, each put some effort into it so that what happens is it, you, it creates anticipatory eroticism. It's what happens when people have affairs, right? Mm-hmm. They say to their lover, I'm going to meet you Tuesday at three o'clock. I can't right. wait. Right. And then the, all that anticipation builds up, the erotic connection, the excitement. Um, you need to create that in your life. And no, it's not spontaneous. And people say, you know, it's not spontaneous. I'm not going to be into it. It's not going to be good for us. It doesn't work for us. I think what they're really saying is it's not impulsive. Mm. You know, like if you want to be impulsive and then when you pass each other in the hallway, have sex. But that's not what this is. Um you know, it's a plan. It's a plan that says, no matter if I'm mad at you, if I'm sick, if there's something better on Netflix, I'm going to show up for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show up for us. I'm going to show up on the bridge. Cause I said, I was going to be on the bridge, even though I'm not liking you right now, or I feel bloated or I have my period or whatever. I'm just going to show up because that's what we do on Wednesdays at nine o'clock. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, when you compare it to the idea of like, you know, a yoga class, for example, or a meditation, um, or even I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll equate it to like, um, going to the gym, right? Yeah. When I, when I go to the gym, most of the time I'm like, oh yeah, sweet. I'm going to the gym. It's going to be fun. But then there's like the, there's, I wouldn't say the odd time. There's the, there's the time that most certainly comes up every, every so often where I go, fuck, I don't want to go to the gym. <sighs> and then I fucking go to the gym. And then when I get to the gym, I'm like, oh, thank God I came to the gym. But there's been a lot of times where I have that feeling where I go, fuck, I don't want to go to the gym. And I go, I'm not going. And the, and those times I, I immediately regret. And it's like, this sucks, yada, yada, whatever. Um, so I, I'm imagining, and like, maybe you can add to this, but like, I, I could imagine that there would be a very similar process for a lot of people who decide to do this like routine sex date once a week where the, the, you know, it comes to the time and, the, and they, and for whatever reasons, like you laid out, I'm on my period, I'm, I'm bloated, I'm, I'm tired and whatever, where you go, fuck, I just don't want to show up. I don't want to show up. And maybe you do drag yourself to it and you do it. And then of course you're going to be like, oh, that was fun. I'm glad, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I did that with my partner. What kind of benefits do you think there are to outside of just like, outside of the benefits of like, um, you know, showing up for your partner and the benefits of, of like a form of discipline. What are the kind of benefits you think come from getting over that hump of just going, I'm going to show up no matter what the fuck comes up for me. You know, do you think there's like something else to it other than just doing the thing that you said you were going to do? Yes. And I can tell you there's three benefits. One is besides anticipatory eroticism. One is the commitment that you make to your partner. It's like, um, it's like going to the gym, but it's, it's like playing the piano. Like I, if I want to be a 
good at the piano, I have to practice. If I don't practice, it's not gonna happen. Um, but the part of that commitment is that I commit to improving our sex life, that we can practice our sex life. That, you know, what happens is because of that anticipation, you don't even realize it. It's an unconscious commitment. So on third, you know, if you're if your sex date is Thursday, on Wednesday, you like shave your legs uh, or you buy new massage oil or like you create, this is the second part, you create a new neural pathway in your brain mm. that ends in pleasure. And so it's like a deer path in the woods. Like now you have imprinted this into your brain and it ends with a pleasurable experience with your partner. Mm. And you car because you've carved that out and carved it into your brain, it overrides a lot of the bullshit that's in the rest of your companionship. You know, the trauma, the fights, the not taking out the garbage, the um, the annoying parts of being in a relationship because you have this. And so that becomes the island um, at the end of the neural pathway. Um, and the third thing is that it teaches your brain that pleasure is a priority. Pleasure is a priority in your relationship. And that um, most of the time we get into, especially if we've been together for a long time, we get into the companionship rut of like we're good partners because we work together we raise our kids together we pay the bills together we like to go to the movies together you know maybe we go to the gym together um but pleasure is something that in our society we're taught we only deserve if we work really hard right you know on the weekend we can binge on pleasure but then we're gonna suck it up and be hung over and be miserable and go back to work or we can go to vacation somewhere and binge on pleasure but that's only after we work <laughs> and then we got to get back to work and be miserable and pay dearly for taking that time out of our lives for pleasure. And, you know, pleasure is where the power is. I mean, mm. as women who give birth to the planet, you know, that's, we give birth from our pleasure center. And so knowing that pleasure is where the power is shifts your whole relationship priority and can shift shift the world actually if we centered ourselves on it but that's a whole mm. other podcast mm. well the, i mean i gotta say tammy like the, the last time we had you on it was a it was a wonderful fascinating conversation uh this has been exactly that as well um it's been it's been really fun to get you back on the show and just kind of pick your brain about um about relationships and and the ways that people view them and the ways that people show up and and maybe perhaps sometimes don't show up um uh, for, give our, our listeners a little a little plug. How can they find the work that you do? Um, again, folks, just in case you, you wanted to hear it, uh, the book uh, the the book that we spoke about last time on the show was Open Monogamy: A Guide to Co-Creating Your Ideal Relationship Agreement. Which I take you can probably find that wherever you find good books. Um, but uh, give yourself a plug. How can people stay up to date with the work that you're doing? Thank you. Yes, they can listen to my podcast, which is The Trouble with Sex. Or they can find me at my website, drtammynelson.com. That's drtammynelson.com. Um, you can find my book, Open Monogamy, on Amazon or any, any place books are sold, also at my website. And, you know, I want to um, offer your listeners, I have space in my schedule for two uh, couples for a, a free session. Um, if you're recovering from an affair or some kind of betrayal issue, um, we could do it over Zoom. Uh, the only caveat is that I would use it for educational purposes. So 
to train other therapists. So you could change your name or disguise yourself. But if you're interested, you can contact me through my website, um, drtammynelson.com and uh, let me know if that's something that you want to try. But just tell me that they heard it on this podcast for you. Absolutely. That's That's amazing. That was a great offer. Yeah, I hope someone, I hope, I hope people take you up on that because I was going to say, I wish I was in a position where I'm like, I fucking need that right now. I wish she had an affair. Thank you you, so much again. Yeah, it's been a real treat. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, there we have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation that we just had. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast further, you can do that by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app. And uh, if you want to uh, support the podcast even further than that, which you can. Wow. You can You're go to, so kind and thoughtful and so generous. Thoughtful, so generous. Go to patreon.com slash turn me on uh, to become a patron and help us uh, keep this podcast afloat. Well, if you want to reach out to us, turn me on podcast at gmail.com is always open for all of your messages. That's the best way to get in touch. If you have a question for us, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you have a recommendation for a guest on the show, or if you just want to send us a little love note, uh, email money transfer, uh, all of that sex toy, <laughs> you know, we're, we're our email inbox is open to you. That is it for this week. Until next week. Why don't you go touch yourself? What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.